Welcome to episode 211 of Canada's Pinball Podcast. It is a rainy, disgusting Friday morning here in New York City. And I've got nothing better to do than make a pinball podcast. So welcome to the show. We've got a great show today. We're going to talk about a lot of stuff. And I I knew my last podcast would ruffle some feathers. I, I, I just knew it. it. It's like whenever you go to review or give your opinion about a new pinball machine coming from a new pinball manufacturer, um, it's always going to be met with some sort of resistance because uh, you know how it is. In the world of pinball, for the most part, um, you're not allowed to be negative about a new pinball game. You sort of have to cheerlead everything. And in the world of Pinside and the people on Pinside, it's it's so obvious sort of um, how your people want you to behave. It's like you have to slam everything Stern does. You have to call Stern cheap. You have to call out, you know, Stern's lack of innovation and creativity. And then you have to praise every other manufacturer out there for what they're doing, right? I mean, that's sort of like the way the Pinside mob operates. You know, everything that, you know, Total Nuclear Annihilation is the greatest game ever. Uh, and Stern's Batman is a piece of shit, right? And so I knew when I played Houdini and I had some not, ex- you know, not so nice things to say about some elements of the game that people were going to complain. But I think I gave a fair assessment of my first impression of Houdini, all right? I made some mistakes. I think I called targets, post, and whatnot, you know, and then people are saying that uh, the shots are tight and I'm, I'm just repeating myself. But I look, I think where I was fair is that I explained the situation I encountered with the machine. It clearly wasn't set up right. It clearly didn't have volume for me to hear the game. Um, and it wasn't dialed in properly. So if you factor those things in, uh, of course, I'm, I'm, I'm not even giving it like a full review. It's my first impressions on a machine, on location, that wasn't set up right. And, and I think I was fair in saying that that's what I encountered with Houdini, right? And that's, it's an interesting thing because when you think about pinball and how we formulate our opinions about a machine, it's really difficult, right? I mean, I don't go test drive a car at, at BMW or Dodge. Like, for example, anyone who goes to test drive a Dodge Demon, they are not going to have a different demon experience than the person next to them because each Dodge Demon will drive exactly the same, right? Every car is set up exactly the same. The same cannot be true of pinball, right? You, you, you play a pinball machine and so much comes down to how that game is set up. Your game might have issues out of the box. There might be switches that don't work. It might be at the wrong angle. You know, the milk can shot might not register. All these things can create people's first opinions about a game, which is why, as I said, and, and for those of you who, who want to just like slam me at the beginning of my podcast, as I said at the end, make up your own mind. Go play Houdini. Go play it. Right, and make up your own mind. Now, we heard from Josh Kugler. He wrote in. Now, normally Josh emails me, and I was, it, it was interesting that he's now sort of talking to me through Pinside. So I want to read what, what Josh Kugler said um, after my assessment of Udini. He wrote, 
He has been somewhat of a broken record on that. He's talking about the tight shots. But since he played it for a while, I think he had a better understanding of the layout and clearly was starting to appreciate some of the shots like Stage Alley that goes through the pops into the stage. However, if he was not trying to backhand the inner loop, which many of you know is the easier way to make that shot, he was making it harder on himself, but clearly was making it since he was reporting about the catapult missing short. Hopefully they will adjust the catapult strength up one notch. I agree with him that Houdini is not for everyone. Then again, no machine is. Some will find it a challenge that they want to keep playing, others will walk away in frustration, which is better than walking away in boredom. The challenge and depth of Houdini, I think will make it a great game at home to keep you interested, challenged and wanting to play. And it will still be a good earner on location for many of the re same reasons. He says, hey Chris Canada, I've played hundreds and hundreds of games on Houdini. And the shots still look challenging, but you will find after a while you will stop thinking about that and just let it flow and focus on the rules and objectives. I think you will enjoy the challenge. I do appreciate you taking the time to check it out and giving it some airtime. I respect that you what you say. Um, I respect that you say what you think, even if you are totally wrong. Sound is pretty key to get into the game and is quite different from many games. It is also key to know what to do. Hopefully, they will increase the volume. All right. Well, Josh, thank you for responding uh, to my, my, uh, my first impression of Houdini. And I agree. I, I mean, look, I don't agree that you saying I'm wrong. I mean, you can have an opinion about a layout of a game, okay? But everything about pinball, everything almost all is completely subjective, right? Some people think wide bodies suck. Some people love wide bodies. Uh, some people think tight shots in a game are frustrating. Some people enjoy tight shots in a game. All I'm asking, all I'm asking of all of you out there is just play these games. Play them before you plunk the money down on them. Now, I want to give you guys a little story. I was talking to a friend of mine down in Florida. The guy's name is Eric. Guy seems to buy like every new game. He's got an alien. He's got he's got one of the first alien LEs when Andrew Highway was faking his alien LE shipments. And Eric has a Houdini. And I was talking to him about it. And I was like, so what do you think? You know, and he's like, he's okay. This game's okay. You know, we're talking about it. We're talking about how some of the shots are frustrating and whatnot. Uh, but I asked him one simple question. I said, Eric, did you play Houdini before you bought it? And you know what he said? Nope. And I'm like, that to me that's like what like you you paid seven thousand dollars for a game and you've never played it and i asked him like well wh why'd you get it and he said well i was just bored and i wanted a new pinball experience and if i don't like it i could sell it all right now here's my thing and, and i've been following this hobby for a couple years and i see this time and time again I also saw this in, in a dialed in that's for sale that's on Pinside where the guy wants $8,800 and he's played it for like two weeks and is moving on from it. It's the same thing. This, this addiction to getting just a new pinball experience in your home uh, and the feeling that if I don't like it, I can just move it out the door and I'll just lose a couple hundred bucks. And I'm, I'm just going to say this. I think it's absolutely ridiculous that people would spend seven to $9,000 on a game, on a toy that they've never played, that is readily available to play 
at shows, at, at locations, at bars, like dialed in, for example. There's no reason why you can't go find a dialed in on location and play it. Um, so this whole notion of, you know what, I'll get it, I'll see if I like it. If I don't, I'll just, you know, sell it. And how long can that mentality last with these people? Now, look, I also think that for some of these guys out there, and you probably know people, you might be one of these people. For some of these people out there, they are literally just, they just get bored of pinball so fast. And they, they, they're just addicted to a new pinball experience. Now, I, I understand, like I've collected other things where, you know, the, the chase to get something new, to open up the box, that is what the excitement is, right? It's like Christmas morning, my game's arriving this week and you get so excited. And then what happens, you open up the box, you play it and you realize it's just another pinball machine. Right, all pinball on some level, uh, it, it can only go so far in terms of how much it excites you and how giddy you get, and 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 over time that that giddiness wears off. And I think there's a lot of guys out there with collections of pinball machines where they hardly play most of their games. And I I know what that's that's like firsthand. I mean, I had a a room full of arcade games, some of the most classic arcade games of all time, and I never turned them on. I'd spend more time playing Nintendo Switch and Xbox. And those games were 60 bucks. So it was much, much easier to get enjoyment out of something that doesn't cost the price of, of, you know, of a car. Um, and so that's what I hope all of you do is just play this game. I don't think Houdini is a game that like you should just buy without playing and then hope you like it. I don't think you should listen to other people's reviews of the game and then make your decision. I really think we're at the point now where if, unless you play it and love it, I mean, I, I don't know why you would buy it. And, and again, I think it's like, it's, look, it's those people's prerogatives. I, I wish, you know, these people must be super wealthy. You have to be rich. You have to be a rich dude to, buy, to just buy pinball on a whim and then just move it on. Now, most of these guys, they have, a lot of them, you know, they might not have kids. They might not be married. This might be their thing. And, and I get it. I get it. But I also think it's just... I don't know. I just find it stupid. I, I think it's absolutely stupid to never to never play a game and then buy it. I, I think it's dumb, especially if that game is out and there's places to go play it. Because why are you going to lose like $500, $1,000 trying to resell it? It's like this guy's dialed in LE. $8,800 he wants for it. $8,800. For, for that price, I can go get a new inbox game. Um, oh, but he's added this. He's added... I don't care what you've added. The game is used. You drive a car off the lot, you're going to lose 10 to 15% of the value. But in pinball, everyone always thinks, oh, the least I'll lose is a few hundred bucks. But those days are over. They're over. There's too many games out there. There's too, uh, there's too many new in-box options. All right? All right. Well, that's my take is like, look, play your Houdinis, make up your own mind. I'm just one person. What I say is just my own opinion. All right. I think if they wanted to sell a thousand, two thousand Houdinis, I would have made the shots easier. I, I look, I just don't think making really, really tight shots is the recipe for broadening the audience and the buyer base of your pinball machine. Because the other thing is this, most of the collectors I know, they fucking suck at pinball. I hate the curse, but they, they're not that good. They're not that good. They want to jump on a machine and feel like they're, they're progressing through it, okay? So that's my thing is if you want to sell in volume, don't make your machine brutal, 
Okay, I'm not saying it's that brutal. I, 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 look, I don't think Houdini is more frustrating than, than Ghostbusters, and they sold a ton of Ghostbusters, but again, apples to oranges because the Ghostbusters theme is a juggernaut. But anyway, guys, play American Pinball's Houdini and then make up your mind. Um, all right, let's move on to Chicago Gaming. So, I, you know, I can't tell. I want to report on whether or not Doug has sort of made right on people having big issues with their Attack from Mars remakes. As we've reported, they seem to handle the small issues, but when it comes to cabinet and playfield issues, um, they have been a little bit, or maybe a lot of bit, uh, unresponsive to customers who have complaints. I want to read something from um, Pinside user on Wall Street. He wrote, no, no problem is not solved, and it is a myth. They are solving them. Posting was repetitive, so I stopped as this thread is to discuss Attack from Mars in general, not problems solely. Stating the, the same thing time and time again never helps. I get tired of so many trolls trying to silence legitimate issues that are clear that, that clearly distributors um, or have a vested interest. Gets old after a while. I am just a pinball player and enthusiast that had less than an ideal experience. Um, Chicago Gaming is delaying by pushing under the rug and focusing on the March Pinball Festival in Texas. Maybe a new release. Five-year warranty, though, but nothing in writing, but still have open ticket um, that mentions it. Warranty, however, clearly states no one is authorized to make modifications to this limited warranty. As legal counsel pointed out today, please PM me as currently exploring a class action lawsuit being filed in federal court and he's looking for others. All right, look, I mean, really a class action lawsuit against a pinball manufacturer because your playfield has had some issues. I mean, look, I think class action lawsuits should happen when uh, you know the the food product you buy is causing cancer, or when the car you bought has like an ignition switch issue that is like killing people, or the you know something major. But a class action lawsuit because a few people have defective playfields on a pinball machine, really? I mean, look. But I'll say this because I saw like you know some people chimed in and they they're slamming this guy. How would you like it? If you bought a brand new, uh, you know, $8,000 pinball machine, you open it up and it's got a defective play field. How would you feel? What would you want? If you bought a car and there was a huge dent in it, or you bought, um, you know, a TV and there was a bunch of dead pixels on it, you know, would you be happy? Would you be satisfied? Would you accept, um, you know, no resolution? And so I think people need to learn to put themselves in the shoes of the people that are being affected here. Um, this podcast has always been on the side of the buyer, not the seller. Because I think if you sell someone a product, there is no excuse for opening up that product and something is wrong, something doesn't work, something is malfunctioning. The onus cannot be on the buyer to have to make the game work. Okay, now look, there are pinball adjustments that happen when a pinball machine ships. We get that. There might be a light out. There might be switches that need to be adjusted. That's not what we're talking about here. This isn't a small issue. This, the issues people are facing here is, hey, at the factory, the cabinet was damaged, which caused the decal to st start peeling, and they shipped it to me like that. 
right? That should have been caught at the factory. Hey, my play field is chipping and planking and the clear code is like flying off the shooter lane in less than like 80 plays. What up? Or hey, like the wrong art color was used when they silkscreened my play field. Like these are things that are mistakes that should have been caught at the factory. Now, again, I, I, I think play field wear and play field tear is, is one of the biggest issues that we've been dealing with on this podcast and in this hobby for the last couple of years, ever since it seems you know people wanted these thick, clear coats that look like glass. We've had nothing but issues with, with hazing, with ghosting, with chipping. And so I tend to believe that you know, it's just the byproduct of, of, of changing the way these play fields are made. But I don't know what they do. I really don't know what they do. I think most people's games are fine. I, I do. I don't think this is going to hurt their uh, Monster Bash remake launch at TPF. Uh, but as of today, it seems like Chicago Gaming hasn't fully figured out a solve for these people. And we're just going to keep covering this on a top line level. I think it's a, it's a tough situation for them. Uh, you know, I don't know if they're going to send people out fully populated play fields, but that seems to be the only answer, an expensive answer, uh, when these things happen. All right. Now, speaking of play fields, I, 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 I was in the total nuclear annihilation thread, and I read a post by, uh, a, by Oric, and I want to read what he wrote because I think this is interesting, and it actually refers to what I was talking about with Attack from Mars. He wrote... Playfield protectors are hot garbage and utterly unnecessary for home use games. If someone tried to sell me a game with one of those protectors on it, they'd have to either cut their price or remove it before I'd take it. Your game, do whatever you want, but if you're new to pinball, stop being paranoid about your playfield. All right, I wanna, I wanna tackle this because uh, I, I think people uh, don't understand or haven't played a game that has a playfield protector on it and experienced how the game plays. You know, look, I have a playfield protector on my Batman. And I, I have a Batman 66, as you guys know, super early. And there's one that's just a few blocks away at Pioneer's Bar that has no playfield protector on it. That's been played a lot. And let me tell you the night and day difference between the gameplay of my game and that game. My game plays buttery smooth, super fast. And it's like, it looks brand new. There's not a dimple. There's not a dent. There's not a chip. There's nothing on it. And I hit every shot. I can, I've got to bat 2Z multi-ball. I've gotten the villain escape. I've, I've accomplished everything in the game on three balls. Um, game plays amazingly well. I go to the one at Pioneer Bar. Game plays slow. Game's got dimples everywhere. The shooter lane is all black now. You know, there's, there, it, it looks like the moon crater uh, uh, on the play field. And, it, you know, this $15,000 game is now it's beat up. It's beat up. And I get it's on location. But regardless of that, look at people's Batmans uh, at home. These stern play fields will dimple like crazy. And they're going to wear quickly. And, you know, my game shoots perfectly. And I will say this. I don't, I don't think you can, and I've heard the other analogy that Oryx put out there where it's like, oh, it's like your grandmother's couch covered in plastic. I, I don't buy that. I don't buy that. Um, when a couch wears out or stuff happens to it, I, you know, I can just replace it. But when a play field turns to shit, 
replacing a pinball machine's play field is a nightmare, is a nightmare. And look, if there's one thing collectors want, it's to keep their games mint. I don't know why this is such a hard concept to understand. Like collectors want their games to be mint, but they also want to play them. Now, I don't understand how you could ever make the argument against playfield protectors because a playfield protector does exactly that. You can play your game as many times as you want and it still looks brand new. Why would I not want that in my game? I, I, I just don't understand why. And then he's saying, if I was trying to sell my Batman SLE with a playfield protector in it, I should cut my price? versus someone whose game has dimples and wear. Un unbelievable. I, I am in full um, advocacy mode for playfield protectors. I think they're great. I think manufacturers should offer them. I don't think you should have to put them in uh, after the fact. And I think, you know, it, again, the, the moment you want to install a playfield protector is on day one, you, before you even flip the game, uh, because then you'll have no wear trapped underneath. And look, I... I Anyone who wants to come play my Batman SLE with a playfield protector who's on the fence about them, come by anytime. And you'll see the game plays better than probably Batman without it. All right. Let's talk about Jersey Jack Pinball. So, um, look, there is a constant debate going on in the Jersey Jack thread about the theme integration of Pirates of the Caribbean. And this debate probably will never end. It, 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 it's, it's constantly ongoing, you know. People, there's the camp that says, you know what? Like, it doesn't matter that they don't have video clips. It doesn't matter that they don't have voice actors from Pirates of the Caribbean. They've got one of the voice actors who does, like, tons of lines for the game. Uh, you know, I've seen many, many videos of Pirates of the Caribbean being played. I think Jersey Jack has done a great job in showing the game to people time and time and time again. But it also comes down to the same thing I was saying at the beginning of this podcast. You have to play the game. I mean, you have to see what the experience is like. I don't know about you guys, but when I play Dialed In, when I play Wizard of Oz, when I play The Hobbit, when I play most pinball games, I mean, I literally am not looking up at the screen that much. I, I, I don't play pinball uh, to watch a movie. So the absence of those clips, is that really going to affect your experience and your enjoyment of the game? I don't think so. I really don't think so. And I think the animations in the game itself with the map look very cool. And I, 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 so I don't think it's a deal breaker. Not having the theme song, I, I get it. I get it. But everything I've heard sounds really, really close to Pirates of the Caribbean. And again, Pirates of the Caribbean is not like Star Wars. It, it's not this like iconic soundtrack that everyone can hum and, 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 and has like an emotional attachment to. So I think the adjustment there is fine. I also think there's a lot of, you know, when it comes to video, not, not audio, when it comes to video, there's a lot of Stern games that people love and swear by that have absolutely zero clips in them. I mean, there's no, there's no clips from The Walking Dead in that game. There's no and there's no like audio from the voice actors right in The Walking Dead. So, you know, if you take that as an example, uh, people love The Walking Dead and still consider it to be one of the best games ever. And, it, and it's, you know, Pirates of the Caribbean is sort of doing it in the same way. So I, I, I think, you know, people need to understand that, you know, and then people try to bring up Ghostbusters and Star Trek. The thing is, those games, while they don't have... Um, video clips in, on the DMDs from the, from the films themselves, they've got the voice actors. And it, I'll say this, having the voice actors from any property, it, it's, it helps so much. I, it, there's, there's no way around it. I mean, Lord of the Rings has 
the exact actors from the movie. Um, Star Trek has voice clips from, from actors from the film. Um, Ghostbusters does, you know? And I think you remove those. Like, if you remove those voices from Ghostbusters, and I think that Ghostbusters experience starts to cripple. So, um, you know, we'll see how it goes. We'll see how it goes. But we knew for a long time they weren't going to have Johnny Depp, and he wasn't going to be in the game and, and whatnot. Uh, I, I'm looking forward to playing Pirates, and, you know... I think it's one of those things where you got to hop on it. Uh, something else, like it's like it's funny, like the Pinside Babies, people complaining about the noise from the spinning disc. Like, can they make it less noisy, guys? They're they're that's because the glass is off, you fools, when they're making these videos. I, I th- everyone knows that when you take the glass off a game, every single mech is super loud. The game is not going to sound that loud um, when it's in your home. All right. I chatted with Eric a little bit. I chatted with Eric uh, on Facebook, and I gave him a suggestion that they're not going to do, but I want to tell you what I suggested they do. And this is just my overall feeling about Jersey Jack and how he's tiered his games. Because a lot of people, you know, we're still looking at the price of these games and how expensive they're getting. But my suggestion to Eric was this. It's like, look, you guys have a $12,500 collector's edition of Pirates of the Caribbean, right? Keith is putting so much into this game, right? There's so many modes. There's so much to do. There's 125 modes. There's all these characters. You know, we're we're keep being told the game's never going to get boring. No two games will be alike. Okay, but you're asking me to spend $12,500. And I said to him, look, with all that Keith is putting into this game, why can't Keith put in a mode or two or a special, like, you know, multi-ball or wizard mode that only can be unlocked on the collector's edition game. And, and Eric was like, nope, want, we, as we've already said, like every game will play the same. And, and again, I, I said to him like, you know what? I think you guys are missing an opportunity. And I think you guys are failing to realize um, that when you pay a lot more, your experience should be a little bit different. Uh, not just aesthetically, right? The only difference on the collector's edition is the armor. It's the it's the it's it's like the Davy Jones art package. It's the topper, but nothing nothing in the game is different from an experiential standpoint. And I think that's a big mistake. Let me give you guys what I would do. You've got this topper up there with the moving ship in the bottle. Why not have a mode? that interacts with that topper that collector's edition owners can play. I mean, it'd be very, very cool to do something like that. Um, or give them, a, give them something that's just different. And, and because you know what it does? You know what it does if you do that? It creates um, this feeling that I have uh, some limited version of the game that not everyone has, that I have a little bit of a special experience with the game. And I think pinball manufacturers need to get over this feeling of, you know what, I want everyone to have the same amount of fun. It's such BS. It's like when I go into a car dealership and I buy like the AMG Sport version of, of, of like the Mercedes E-Class, I get, a, a, I get a different experience than someone who just buys an E-Class. And I just think it's absolutely ridiculous that pinball designers are so nervous about giving people who pay more a better experience. They literally are just looking at LEs and, and, and collector's editions as an aesthetic thing. Now, speaking of, like, look at Batman 66 Super LE, right? I mean, 
we all paid $15,000 or plus for the game, and there isn't a different experiential thing, but there was something that was promised to everybody that would create a little bit of a different experience, and that was if you bought a super limited edition that Adam West would call your name out personally to pick up the bat phone, which is like super, super cool. And here's the thing. It hasn't been implemented yet. I don't even know if it's going to happen. And Stern's been very hush-hush on that. Um, But I think it's those little things where you can actually code in specific things to those owners in the game that would make it like a keeper. And Imagine this, like in Pirates of the Caribbean, where you could basically, if you're only selling 200 collector's editions, you could easily tailor some code to those 200 owners. It's not too hard to do that, all right? And they're not, though. And I think that's a mistake. I think that's a mistake. All right, let's go on to Stern. So Stern, all right, there's a rumor that Iron Maiden Pinball was going to be shown at the Vegas show this week. People were, like, confirming it was going to happen. And then the show comes, and there's no Iron Maiden there. And now there's, like, a rumor. I love these rumors about, like, reveals, like Stern reveals, that the game won't be at Texas Pinball Festival, that there's a licensing issue, and that the earliest we're going to see it is April. Now, look, I I think if Stern misses TPF, that's, like, a stupid mistake. I mean, it's the biggest pinball show there is. In terms of of collectors being there, in terms of, like, hype, in terms of conversation, uh, TPF, I think, is by far the best pinball show. It's a great venue to unveil a product. And so I, I, I can't imagine Stern is going to miss having Iron Maidens there. Uh, but, the, you know, these threads also show how easy it is to start a rumor. You know, everyone knows someone at Stern. Everyone's always like, my guy told me this, my guy told me that. And you know what? Who cares? I get so tired of, of the sensitivity and the high level of security surrounding like new pinball machines. I really do. And I want to tell you guys a little story because, you know, I was in the, in the middle of this drama this week where uh, Deadpool, and, and I've said out loud on the air that, you know, I've, I've seen an image of Deadpool and I know a bunch of people who have, and I would never share that. I would never post it online and I would never try and... Um, you know, hurt Stern Pinball by early releasing a game before they're ready to talk about it. But everyone knows that Deadpool is coming. I mean, there's no secret about what the next titles are. Um, But then Jeff over at This Week in Pinball, he had to upload a little Easter egg image from Deadpool. And then everyone's like yelling at me like I gave it to him. I didn't give him anything. But what happened is then it, it creates this chain reaction where you know, everyone's like blaming everyone else for who's the one who shared the image and yada, yada, yada. And you know what? I was having like a little bit of a bad week. You know, I've got some like other stuff going on in my personal life. My father's not feeling well and, and, and you know, he's got to go for some tests and, and, you know, there's, there's like much more important things going on in my world. And I, and I got like, a bunch of pinball people coming at me with a lot of like vitriol saying like, how could you like, did you do this? Like, you know, Stern's going to get their lawyers to come after you, Canada. And I said, you know what? Fuck them. Fuck this. Like I'm tired of all of this goddamn bullshit surrounding pinball speculation and leaks. Let Stern come after me. There is nothing illegal 
about what I did. Like if I have pinball images before they're supposed to be revealed, who gives a shit? You know, this isn't like some new iPhone that is left at a bar and because the, it, it was revealed early, like Apple stock like lost a billion dollars in shares. These images are only of appeal to like two to 3,000 freaking pinball nerds out there in the world. Like honestly, like I, I just couldn't take it. Like all these people like acting all upset and I'm just like, well, whatever, man. Like who gives a shit? Like who really gives a shit? Like if I were to post the Deadpool image up on the internet, like what would happen? What would happen? Would, would, it, would it make people not buy Iron Maiden? Do people buying Iron Maiden not know Deadpool is coming? Like, who cares? Most of these guys, they're going to buy the game anyway. As I said at the beginning of this podcast, most of these guys, they'll buy a new game just because it's new. They don't even give a shit what it plays like. You know, every, as much as everyone slams Stern and slams this and slams that, most of these guys are just rich dudes that are bored. They're bored with, with their games, and they just want the newest experience. So I was like, fine, you know what? come at me. I've never ever once had any correspondence from Stern. No one's ever like came after me. No one's threatened me with any lawsuits. Um, but I just think the fear of legal action in this hobby is a complete joke. It's a joke. It's a joke to think you're going to have a class action lawsuit uh, against Chicago gaming. It's a joke that you think you can blame me for, for like sharing or disseminating, um, or distributing uh, an image of a play field of a pinball machine early. And you know who's to blame for all this? I, I, I got to say this. You know who's to blame for all this? Is like the people at Stern. These leaks all come from within Stern walls, all right? They do. Like, it's not like us, me or Jeff or, or Ryan or anyone else who's a pinball fan or anyone else, like straight down the middle guys, like we don't have access to behind Stern's closed doors. Um, all this stuff comes from Stern employees that share stuff with people. And so if there's anyone to blame, it's the Stern um, employees that leak this stuff. And that's it. But again, it's like, why this happens? You know, because these people get excited about what they're working on and they want to share it. You know, it'd be a lot easier if the pinball world operated like the video game world or the movie industry where we knew exactly what was coming out next and just put a list. Here's our launch titles for 2018. Because everybody knows it already. That's why I just think it's funny. Like, everybody knows that Jersey Jack is making Toy Story, and then he's making Willy Wonka. Like, everyone in that little circle, they know that's what's next. And for some reason, you know, that little circle of people wants to hesitate in sharing that news with you guys out there. But I think you deserve to know. Because I don't think it's fair that Jersey Jack or people at Stern are only letting a small group of people in on the next title reveals. Because you know why? I don't think it's fair that most of you out there should be excluded from that knowledge because why, why do a certain group of people, why do they get the information that tells them whether to buy or wait, but the rest of you don't? And that's where I come in. Because if I hear what's next and I hear what's coming, I'm gonna share it. And so the other part of what I want, why I'm going on this little rant here is if you share stuff with me, if you share stuff with me and you say like, don't share this with anybody else, fine. Like I, I'll respect that. But I also think, and look, and this might prevent people from sharing news with me and like, I really don't care because it's like the last person you should share sensitive information with is, a, is the media. 
<laughs> I mean, this is, this is what we do. I mean, I'm here, Ryan's here, Jeff's here. We're here to like give you guys breaking news, to give you guys exclusives, to give you, give you guys scoops. So if something lands in my inbox, uh, you know, put it in my inbox anonymously and then I'll report on it. But that's not the case. You know, what happens is like, you know, people just share because they get excited. But again, like I would never burn uh, any of my sources with stuff. I would never burn, you know, any of my like confidants that are out there. Um, and I know like I got, I got called up and I got yelled at by, by someone who gave me the information about Jersey Jack CEO. And that's another thing that just annoyed me. All this happened in the same day. If you're going to send me an email and tell me that the Jersey Jack CEO is out, and then I report that and Jersey Jack calls me up and says like, what the fuck? He's not out. Like, fuck you then. Like, I don't need these like sources to be incorrect. And then the source is like, well, it just hasn't happened yet, but it's going to happen. Like, sorry, bro. Sorry. Like, well, I don't want to be the, the, the carrier of this information. I don't even want to be in the middle of some of this pinball drama because I just don't care enough. You know, don't for one minute think that this is the most important thing in my life. Don't. Don't think that pinball is anywhere near the center of my universe. This is a hobby of mine. I enjoy pinball. I love pinball. And I enjoy it and I love it because of the amount of time it occupies in my life, which is not a lot. I put on this headset. I do this podcast. You guys enjoy it. And then I go to work. And I work on everything but pinball. And then I come home and I, and I engage with my dog. I engage with Brenda. I watch great shows on TV. I go out. I have happy hour. I'm not talking about pinball. You know, so many of you guys, like, it, it is much more than just a hobby. It is like you are on pinside every day. Like, the majority of your money is invested in pinball machines. When you have any free time, you're out playing pinball. When you, and that's cool. But I think it's unhealthy for this damn hobby to take over so much of anybody's life, anybody's life. The only people who should have pinball at the center of their universe are operators that rely on money from pinball to survive and pinball people who work in the industry making the games as good as they can to put, uh, you know, to put food on the table. But man, the, the community of guys who take it so damn seriously, like I, I don't get it. Like don't ever come at me and, and, and think that I, I care more about pinball than, than so many other areas of my life, right? I just want to say that because like this week kind of pissed me off. Like people were coming at me and I was just ready to be like, you know what? Like F all you guys. Like I, I really, I really, I don't care. I don't care. All right. I don't care that much. All right. Let's keep going here. So one of the rumors I, st I, I heard was Lyman was retiring. And I want to talk about this because Lyman did a, a great sort of around the play field with, with this week in pinball, where he made a joke where he said how great the hobby is right now, how flourishing pinball is. And then he's like, well, what a great time to retire. So I think that was a fun sort of response to what these rumors were. And here's the thing, you know, the, the whole Lyman retiring thread, I, I don't, I, I heard he was retiring from Stern and going over somewhere else. Uh, but not that's not even confirmed. I've heard rumors that he's taking a different role at Stern where he's going to be more of a senior manager and oversee all the coding. And that's why they hired three more coders at Stern Pinball. So I don't know. I mean, I'll, I'll say this. We all have the same feeling about Lyman Sheets. We don't want to see him go anywhere. All right. He is the greatest pinball coder of all time. I, hands down. Hands down. You know, the man can make magic. 
happen with his code. And his games are worth waiting for. In fact, I would say that if you look at when people start threads like, what are the best Stern pinball machines since 2000? You see that thread? The best two machines. I think the majority of people kept saying Lyman Sheets pinball machines. The Walking Dead, Metallica comes up over and over again. You know, Lord of the Rings is also put in there. Um, the Simpsons pinball party. 18 years of Stern pinball machines we have to think about. Uh, but I'm going to say this, and I know this isn't popular, but I think Batman 66 is going to go down at the top, at one of the top games in that list. And like people still get mad at me for doing this 180 on Batman, but I implore all of you to go into the Stern Batman thread and read the conversation going on. Read what people are saying. Some of the most negative Nancys on the game are now jumping on the machine and having the time of their lives, and they're saying, you know what? This game is now freaking incredible. Because a year ago, when you played Batman, the turntable didn't work. None of the modes really did much. They just looped the same video clips. The game was broken. It was broken, okay? Now we have people saying, I canceled my TNA order, and I've been obsessed with Batman. And I think you can't jump on Batman without having a ton of fun. You can't. I mean, I, some people might, but I just think it's it's... As a pinball experience, I've never had more fun than I've had playing Batman because I, I think it's the game that has the best theme integration and I think it, it sort of it offers that sort of balance of you can casually jump in and, and, and do stuff or you could go deep and you can stack stuff. It's got the best of both worlds, but I'm not going to keep showing Batman. I'll say this though. For those of you out there that want a Batman LE, which is a little bit unobtainium. There is one for sale on Pinside right now for $9,500. Now, if you want a Batman, I would go grab that LE because you are not gonna see Batman LEs come up for sale very often. You may never see many SLEs come up for sale um, very often. And I, I just think that LE Topper and the LE Package are just super special. It's still the greatest Topper Stern has ever made. You know, I saw someone was like looking to buy a Batman LE Topper. And one dude got lucky. Like his friend with an LE didn't want his Topper and sold him his LE Topper. Now, look, I, I, I almost think like you can't even put a price on a Batman LE Topper because if you sell it, I think that is the most idiotic move imaginable because who's, who would want to buy a Batman LE without the topper? Who would want to buy it? Nobody. It is like the ultimate cherry on top of the cake, you know, and you can't take that away from the game. Uh, and so I don't think anyone is going to be selling that topper again. I think it's just that awesome. I think your best bet to get one, I would like, I would like, maybe try to find someone at Stern and offer them like $1,000 if they could find one somewhere in, in like their leftover stock because there has to be one in there somewhere. That's what I would do. Could play a little hardball. All right. There's a Tron LE for sale on Pinside for $12,000. I'm just going to say that like if you buy a Tron LE for $12,000, I, I, I think you need to check yourself into a hospital. I think you need to have some tests run. I think you need to, um, I think you need some help. I, I really do. Tron LE was like, what, like 5,500 bucks, 5,800 bucks, $12,000. I don't know about you guys, but as much as Tron is a cool pinball experience, I think it's got one of the toughest, most ridiculous shots in pinball to make. I also think it looks really dated. 
it just does like the art on Tron, the display, putting Tron next to the newer Sterns. I, I think these, these games look, they look old. They look old. I, I, I would love if Stern made a vault edition Tron with an LCD screen and I mean, it would just, and, and, and reskin the artwork to be better. It, it would sell like hotcakes. I don't know why they don't do it. You know, Tron and Lord of the Rings are the two machines where if Stern vaulted, I mean, I, I think they would sell thousands of them. And what I would do with Lord of the Rings, see, Lord of the Rings is I would do something similar to what they did with Batman 66, is I would adjust some of the uh, areas of that game that just needed better design. So the, the Path of the Dead, where the ball just sort of trickles out and falls into the Shire, I think that whole area of the game should be redesigned. I, I think it it's garbage <laughs> you know I, but the rest of the game is so good so i think if they redesigned the left side of that play field and made something cool there and then you know redid some of the art and the sculpts and put the lcd in it i mean i, I you could sell lord of the rings vault edition for ten thousand dollars a pop make 500 of them right what is that is that five million i don't know can't do math today anyway guys they should do it all right let's go on so highway pinball so highway pinball in the thread this is what people are saying like there's speculation that there are a bunch of la le machines on a ship headed to coin taker now here's what's funny about this there's no confirmation of that ship the ship doesn't no one's tracking it remember when people used to track like highway pinball and dutch pinball ships you know there'd be like they'd actually like find out what ship it was on and there's like these nautical like radar tracking of the ship and, and these guys would like refresh it every like hour and see how close the ship was to them. Absolutely ridiculous, but they would do it. And because that actually proved to them that there's a container on a ship heading to America. Um, why are people speculating about this? Is it or is it not true? Now we continue to follow uh, highway with, with, with nothing but head scratching. It's, it's, if there is a container full of games headed to America, then why can't they just confirm that? Why can't they give people a tracking number? Um, can Cointaker chime in and say whether it's true or not? I just think these LE owners are, are just still stuck in this, this, this place of, of confusion. It's 2018. It's March of 2018. All right. I love that there's like a picture online of Alien Pinball now shipping April 2016. I mean, that, that is literally, we are two years past the point where Andrew Highway was buying banner ads that say Alien Pinball is now shipping, okay? This shit show continues to go on. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna dovetail to Dutch right now because I was talking to a friend about this and, and this is like the part of me that I just, I, I just can't get over this desire to like continue to struggle to get games out for years and years and years. And when, when will a pinball company that can't continue, when will they finally get the courage to tell their customers it's over? We can't do it. It's done, right? It, it seems to be that in the pinball industry, when your company fails, it's not dead. When you run out of money, you're still okay. You know, there's always like, we're gonna find a way. We're gonna find a way to survive. And when we look at every other category in the world of businesses, 
majority of startups and small businesses fail. They, but normally when they fail, you see a going out of business sign <laughs> and, and they actually go away. But in pinball, that's not the case, right? We're constantly giving people two chances, three chances, four chances, five chances to figure it out. And years and years and years go by and these companies just, they hang around like, like a wart, like, like a tumor, just like stuck to the hobby that nobody can get rid of. And so when I look at like the Dutch thread and I'm like, I'm just trying to just think about it like commonsensically. So if you think about it like this, so Dutch pinball, how much money do they have in the bank that came from Big Lebowski customers, right? From early achievers. Like, let's say, let's say hypothetically, they have $200,000 in the bank from customers. Okay. Now that money is, is, is been collected probably to build X amount of machines. Now let's say they have to build like 200,000, uh, sorry, sorry, 200 machines. Now, if everyone paid in full, let's say 8,500, you know, something, what is that? Around like $1.6 million uh, has been collected to build those machines. Now, again, like, so do they have a dollar to dollar in the bank? No, we all know that. So, okay. So there's, there's not enough money in the company to build the machines that have been ordered and paid for, okay? So then, instead of like doing whatever it took to, you know, settle things with ARA, who was making games, who, who was getting people games, instead of like doing whatever it took, they decided to, you know, first lie to their customers, then they decided to like stall, then they, then they came out and told the truth, and then they decided to find a new contract manufacturer in China, and now they have to retrain a company all the way in China to recreate their pinball machine. Now, how much money do you think that cost, okay, to retrain a contract manufacturer, to re-engineer parts? with a new contract manufacturer to fly back and forth to China, okay? All that money going out the door to do those things and accomplish those things, we, there's no new money coming in. So again, that pool of money that is being used to do these new things, that money is coming from the early achiever investments, okay? So then more and more, uh, as more and more money goes out to accomplish these things, to get production up and running again, there's less and less um, money that is, is, is left over to build the games that were paid for. So am I wrong? And, and when I look at this whole thing, the only way they can survive if there's a huge cash influx from an outside investor, the exact same thing happened to Jersey Jack and he got that huge cash influx, okay? But they don't have that. So what's gonna happen? What do you guys really think is gonna happen? Do you really think the Big Lebowski pinball machine will go into production in April and May like Barry and Yap have stated? And I think if you think that, I think you're wishful thinker. I think you're a dreamer. I, I am, I'm going to go on the record as I always do and say I doubt, I highly doubt that the Big Lebowski pinball will be in production in April and May. I, I don't think anyone will get a game, okay? I'm so confident in that, that if someone gets their production Big Lebowski in April or May, I will send that person $500, okay? 500 bucks, 
just to say congratulations on making it through to this, this, you know, to this point. Congratulations. You got your Big Lebowski when they said it would happen. Now, again, I love the fact that we all have short-term memory loss with these companies. So Dutch Pinball, when they came back and said, you know, things are going good with like whatever, Zentech or whatever, heard their Chinese manufacturers. Remember they said back in like September that they were hoping to have games on production in December? December. December, January, February, March. Okay, four months ago. And now it's like, oh, wait, four more months. And before you know it, you know where we're going to be? We are going to be in the summer of 2018 and still no Big Lebowskis will be on the line because there's no way to get them on the line. There's no way to get the money and the capital necessary to order the parts they need. Where's the money going to come from? So my plea is, my plea to these companies is just go away. When it's, when it's up, it's up. When you're done, you're done. I think it causes more harm to constantly try and salvage these failed operations because the only thing that's going to happen if they do manage to get some out, it's going gonna, it's gonna to look a lot like Alien where a lot of the new money, all right, new money will be collected, but old buyers will still wait forever and they still may never get their game. And then you're just going to have this environment where they're never going to make everybody whole because they, there's no financial way they can do it. And I feel really bad for the guys over at Highway Pinball because you know, you know those guys are looking at a spreadsheet. They're looking at, at, at money coming in at, and they're seeing absolutely no profit. None. They're losing so much money trying to get Alien out the door and they're only doing it because of pride because of the embarrassment of the situation that Andrew Highway put them in. But so what? They're going to struggle. They're going to just, these games are going to trickle out. And then they're going to like, how are they going to go on to another game? There's no money to be made. They're made. They may never make money. So God bless these companies that want to stay in pinball and never make a profit. But I think that the days of these companies surviving into 2018, it's going to be numbered because we are going to see a TPF, so many pinball companies with their shit together, actually making games. And people are going to be like, you got to be crazy to go in on these companies that can't figure their shit out. All right. I know we sound like a broken record with this whole thing. But again, like, I just think someone needs to start saying, you know what, guys, like, it's time to close up shop unless you can actually deliver when you say. So like, let's just say this. If, if Dutch Pinball can deliver in April and May, I will do a Mia Copa. I will say, congratulations, you figured it out. But come May, if nobody has their big Lebowskis, I, I think it's time to just like, stop. Stop. You, 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 you've had four to five years to get people what they paid for. It's embarrassing. Five years to get people a product they paid for and they're still holding on. Pathetic. This hobby's got some pathetic companies trying to like make good, all right? All right, let's see what else. So, all right, I wanna end with some comments about or some sort of well wishes to some people out there. And we wanna say, you know, there's been a lot of as much as we talk about pinball companies, right, and, and, and pinball games and, and the drama surrounding pinball, um, you know, as I've said, it's, it's not that important. It's not the most important thing in life. And I think a lot of people were reminded of that 
like all too well um, this week when when there was a, a, a death in the pinball family. Um, Mr. Darren Johns, um, he went by Egbert52 on, on Pinside. And nobody saw this coming. He was only 50 years old and he caught the flu and very quickly he passed away. And I, and I think when you, when you see the response and, and, you know, as much as we have differences with people on Pinside, we're all human beings. And as much as we might get in fights with people around pinball topics, you know, we're all, we're all humans. And, you know, I, look, I, I wish happiness and health to everybody out there. I, you know, to Barry, to Yop, to Andrew Highway, to Oric, to Hilton, to all the people that I even like poke at and egg. You know, it's not, it's not personal, right? I'm looking at this from a, a professional and the business side of pinball. But these are all human beings, right? I mean, they're, they're human beings. And some human beings make bad business decisions. Some human beings can be trolls on Pinside. Uh, but nobody be, ever wants to see anyone fall um, you know, down on their health and to pass away at such a young age. Because I think what, what his passing showed a lot of people was how short life really is and how he's the same age as a lot of people on Pinside. And it gets people thinking of their own mortality and, and their own lives and how they spend their time. And that's why I've always constantly implored people Spend more time out in the world. Spend more time enjoying the better parts of life and the things that life has to offer. And the, the pinball forum, I have to say this, guys, it's a disease. It's an addiction. It's a screen addiction. It's, it's, it's a medically proven thing that a lot of you out there who like are hyper users on the forum, as much as you might think it's enjoyable, I, I think you're missing out on so much more of life. You know, whenever I hear stories of, of my friends you know, in Australia where it's like beautiful sunny day and they're inside all day long in a pinball tournament. I'm like, really? Like pinball tournaments should only happen maybe at night on rainy days. And to ever miss out on the riches of life because of pinball, I think is a mistake. Uh, and I think that we also learn lessons that you know, we shouldn't be so hard on people. We shouldn't be so negative and and sort of, we, I mean, there are some really, really nasty things that people say to each other on Pinside. And, and I think none of that is ever warranted, right? We should never get that heated in a hobby like this. It just, just shouldn't be the case. Um, I also want to say that we hope Concrete Hard Hat, we hope that he recovers as well. You know, there's, he was going he, through brain, brain surgery. You know, he had uploaded this picture of, of, of like his scar on his head where they had to remove a tumor. And it's stuff like this where, you know, all of us, all of us will get hit hard by life. We, we all will. And look, pinball is, is an outlet for, for all of us. It, it's not, it is, I don't think it's the most important thing for most of you out there. It's an outlet for us. And feeling connected to a community is also really important. And that's what's missing a lot from life, right? It's a lot of us, you know, people would get community feelings when they would join churches and, and, and live in small towns. But the, the world today, the world today is weird. Like we're very fragmented. We don't want to know our neighbors. Uh, I live in New York City. I've been in the same building for 17 years and, and majority of my neighbors could give two shits about me. Like I see them close the elevator door when they see me coming towards it. I mean, that's the way the modern world is. And the modern world is also like lost in their devices and staring at screens and people don't engage anymore. And I think that's another part of the appeal of pinball is the community we get 
uh, in pinball leagues and going out and having a topic um, of interest that we can we can connect with people over. It's why pinball shows are so much fun. I also love the fact that pinball is a game that you have to put your cell phone down, right? It's 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 amazing. You can't film while you play. It's 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 hand. Both hands are occupied on the machine, and the and pin side. You know, as much as I think people spend too much time on it, it does connect people. But I also find it extremely sad when someone passes and it's like the condolences by a forum on the internet. Like, I just, I don't know, part of me just like, I never want, I never want people to like, just be missed on a forum and then like a week later your thread is just bumped and it's, you're gone. Like you're just forgotten. And I guess that's just the reality of life. We all will be forgotten. You know, I want to say... I hope a speedy recovery to Eddie Kramer's wife, Dahlia, and she's been battling a lot of serious health issues. Um, and then this just past week, she was, she was back in the hospital. And I, you know, I see these things and these people, and I care about these people, and I, I've met them personally. And, and you know, all of the pinball in the world will not more time buy us. So I, I think, you know, my, I don't know, you know, in terms of where I'm going with all of this, I, I think we all need to learn to treat each other a little bit better, I think we all need to learn in the pinball hobby to not take things so seriously, right? A leak of a pinball image isn't going to hurt anybody. It's not going to do anything really bad to the world. That we all are in this niche little hobby that n most people don't give a shit about. And yes, there are a lot of contentious personalities in the pinball world. Um, but if there's any advice I could give you, it's to simplify your life and don't become obsessed with pinball. Just don't. You don't need 20 machines. You don't need 50 machines. I, I, I'm telling you, happiness lies when you thin out your collection, not when you increase it. And find a few games that you love, own them, play them on location. The happiest man has no games in his home. The happiest man goes out with his friends at a bar, plays some pinball, has a good amount of laughs, comes back home, and has all that money in the bank. That's the happiest man in pinball. All right? All right, guys, this is episode 211 of Canada's Pinball Podcast. I hope you guys have a great weekend. If there's anything I said on this podcast that has upset you or inspired you to write me in, um, canadapinball at gmail.com. I, I love doing this every week. I, I, I love it. I mean, it's, it's fun. It's, 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 it's a unique way to spend time for sure. People at work often are like, what? You have a pinball podcast? But you know what? Life is boring when we stop being uh, nerds about stuff. So everyone, enjoy your games, put playfield protectors in them, and stop buying games before you play them. Have a great weekend. <laughs>